Surprise it, we will have t-shirts also. Yeah. More reason to come. I'm keeping one, but after that, <laughs> we'll see about giving some out. And you know what other movie stole from this? Witness with the death. <laughs> I knew you were going to say in that. The, in the grain mill, huh? That's right. Come on. That's right. You were thinking it. This is a great movie, and it's it's super incredibly weird, and Rocky Horror Picture Show owes 90% of its existence to this movie. Welcome. Biggest rule of Fright Club is you come here and do it with us live. Come That's on right. in. We are live come at the Gateway friends. Film Center in Columbus, Ohio. Welcome. <laughs> I love this. I know. We've got a good crowd tonight because we've got a great movie and a fun topic. Hello. Already seen some, uh, some regulars and some new faces. And then, by the way, anybody that doesn't have... A Fright Club button, come down and get one after. Please help be happy yourself. To, uh, yeah, or come down and help yourself. Be happy to set you up. But yeah, welcome again. Uh, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from madwolf.com. This is the Fright Club podcast. Welcome to our special director's cut of Morbius. <laughs> no? <laughs> no. No, that's not I haven't even doing. seen it, so I'm just assuming <laughs> that it's terrible. Oh, uh, we're glad you're here because once, at least once a year, right? We like to do a classic Uh-oh, horror that's film. That's a bad sign. Oh, we got the blue screen of death, which I'm sure we can fix. Just like that. See? You're a tech wizard. And uh, we like to do once a year, we like to do a classic and uh, and talk about a classic era in horror. And that is what we're doing tonight with the 1930s. Yes. Talk about the Wayback Machine. That's right. Way back to the 1930s. But such great movies to talk about and a great one to show. We were talking earlier in Happy Hour about how even if you've seen it. Uh, and how many people have seen it already, by the way? Um, okay. Okay. All right. But even if you have, you probably haven't seen it on the big screen, and this is a great uh, reason to come out and, and check it out in, uh, in a new way. So, so welcome. But before we get to that, we want to get to Last Time Out, the studio edition of Fright Club, where we had our friend and great filmmaker Timothy Troy on. Yes, and that was super fun. We did a topic that was inspired by a recent short film of his. Uh, so our topic was Closets, the best horror scenes in a closet. My God, there are so many. I mean, there are so, so, so many. And so, actually, we had, we did, we did. I think nine because he, he had a list. We had a list. There mm. wasn't a lot of crossover, and so that's nice because it didn't yeah. mean that we could dig into some extras. And yeah. So that was fun. Seth pointed out that we we all forgot to mention Paranormal Activity three. Right. Which does have a great closet scene. Yeah, and I like that one. Yeah, I like that and, one in, in uh, the series. Yeah. Dan was really happy that Tim had on his list House. Not Hosu, you'll be happy to know, <sighs> but but House. And then Dzak pointed out that you can and should watch House on Shutter. It's on Shutter right now. Very cool. So Shutter, as we say it all the time, oh Shutter's killing it it's right the now. Best. They really are. They're doing a great job. Well, they just added all of those extreme French cinema. Oh, oh my God, my favorite movies ever. Awesome. So so thank you uh, to Timothy Troy, and you by all means check out his creepy cuts. Yes. Uh, and uh, his crazy little crazy little monster productions. That's and the YouTube. It's crazy yeah. little monster, and they do like once a month they put out an extremely short film, and they're they're really fun. They really are. Very and creepy. Yes, they creepy are. Creepy cuts. So there yeah, you go. Timothy, cuts. thank you for that. And for anybody that didn't know, we just posted about it today. We're going to be hosting a pre-screening of Robert Eggers' new movie, The Northman. <laughs> and that is going to be right here Next at Wednesday. Gateway a week from tonight. Uh-huh. And you can grab the passes at madwolf.com, and they've got the... Well, no, you have to go to one of the socials, not the web- website. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. You can grab it on, on our Facebook page yeah. at Mad Wolf Columbus, and you've got the code there and the website where you can go and redeem 
uh, the uh, the pass to join us. And thanks to Cicely and the Owens group for that, because how much have we been looking forward to oh that movie? Oh, God, I'm so excited for that movie. Yeah, and I know a lot of people have. So by all means, we'd love to see you back here. Uh, week Rumor from has it we will have T-shirts also. Yeah. More reason to come. I'm keeping one, but <laughs> after that, we'll see about giving some out. Swag. We love it. <laughs> Okay, well, we're up against the clock, as we always are, for the uh, Fright Club Lives, but that's good because we want to get to the movie. So let's get into the best, our favorite horror movies from the 1930s. Any, any disclaimers, anything to say beforehand? Just that um, the 1930s, I think, is incredibly, it's just a fascinating time capsule, and it was such an explosion in horror and the popularity of horror films, especially in the United States. And I think that what made it so fascinating, and I think something that you can see sort of thematically through most of the really great horror films of the 1930s is that it's a time period sandwiched between the two world wars. And so people came home from World War One mangled in a way that people weren't used to because like prior to that, they mainly died, right? Fewer people survived. And then World War One, people came home. And so I think that there was, the, I think that you see a, a tendency of having, I think just grappling with that, having a lot of sympathy for some kind of a disfigured, you know, character. I think that's a, an interesting thing that I always see in these. And also just these vaguely evil Eastern European, they never specify, but they always are lurking and shadowy and they've got accents. <laughs> and uh, that's something else that I think you see throughout all of these films. Yes. Um, also, I think a lot of still the, the style of the 20s bleeds into the 30s. So you get some of these great shadowy, like really graphic black and white images that are just glorious. That's so that's, those are my favorite things about the film. Yeah, very well said. All right, well, let's get to it. Number five on our list of best horror from the 30s. This one from 1931, Transylvanian Count bends a naive real estate agent to his will then takes up residence at a London estate where he sleeps in his coffin by day and searches for victims by night. This is the classic Dracula. Dracula? What's he done to you? Tell me, dear, what's he done to you? He came to me. He opened a vein in his wrist and he made me drink. I can't die with all that blood on my conscience! Bella Lugosi crafting one of the most, probably one of the most iconic and most recognizable figures in all of pop culture, oh, really. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it started right here. And the first thing to remember about this movie is that this was based on the stage play yeah. of Dracula and not the book. Well, the, I mean, the stage play was based on the books. So yeah, but they still... had to cut it, streamlined it for the for the right. film and the yeah. stage play. Yeah, for sure. My favorite character in Dracula, in all of the Draculas, in the book and in all of the movie versions, is always Renfield. And Dwight Fry is the second best Renfield after Tom Waits, of course. Um, <laughs> I love that character. I love, and it's funny, in the trailer, they, a maniac, but that that's who they show. They're not showing Dracula at that second where he says a maniac. They're showing Renfield being like, eh, rats. It's awesome. I love him. It is a really, I mean, it is a great character, Dracula, and there have been some great, great people who have played Dracula over the years. Christopher Lee, of course, is another great one, but but, you know, Bella Lugosi is the icon. He's the one everybody mm -hmm. remembers. He's the one that gets a Bauhaus song, so that makes Master cool. <laughs> and he actually played it only once more on screen, and it was in Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein mm -hmm. in 1948. He played a similar character in movies like Return of the Vampire, but Dracula only one more time with Ab Abbott and Costello. <laughs> That's a little bit sad. It is. <laughs> and actually, this 1931 version... Uh, the original release, it, it featured an epilogue with uh, Edward Van Sloan talking to the audience about what they had just seen. But that was removed 
for the 1936 re-release. and Because I, it's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but the funny thing was, though, uh, Frankenstein sort of copied that by featuring a prologue. But, but, the, it, but with Mary Shelley. I mean, it was characters. It yeah. Was, you know. But it, I think that footage now uh, from Dracula is, is assumed to be lost, I oh, think, that's after all that. But, uh, yeah, maybe dumb, but it's always like to go back and revisit it. <laughs> but that's from 1931, the classic number five. So you know there's good stuff to come on our list of the best of the 1930s. Dracula going up to uh, number four. Well, we were just talking about this in Happy yeah. Hour, too, how much we like this one. From 1934, American honeymooners in Hungary become trapped in the home of a Satan-worshipping priest when the bride is taken there for medical help following a road accident. It's the Black Cat. <laughs> Did you ever hear of Satanism, the worship of the devil, of evil? Apertig is the great modern priest of that ancient cult. And tonight, dark of the moon, the rites of Lucifer are celebrated. And if I'm not mistaken, he intends you to play a part in that ritual. A very important part. Where is my wife, Karen, and my daughter? Karen? Why, what do you mean? <laughs> So first of all, that trailer does not do that movie justice. This movie is absolutely <laughs> glorious. But second, here's another funny thing. If you look at the trailer that's on IMDb, it's not for this movie. Right. There, it's for a whole other movie starring Alan Ladd. Right, I, was from, just, I, kept, I kept watching it going, I don't remember any of this. I think that and was from the 40s, just, I believe. Yeah. yeah, but it's a whole different film. It is. This is a great movie, and it's it's super incredibly weird, and Rocky Horror Picture Show owes 90% of its existence to this movie. It's so super fun and so incredibly weird. And another thing, of course, is that it's, it says right on the, you know, Edgar Allan Poe, not a single word. No. Not a word. That was just for publicity's yeah, sake. it really was. doesn't have a thing to do with it. But I, I believe this is the, <laughs> this is one of, if not the first horror film to mention Satanism as a cult. Which, of course, kicked off a, a, a trope, a horror trope that continues to this day. And I love the fact that it's Karloff and, and Bela Lugosi. So you get those two icons together. And the, the way they're shot, even though that trailer is pretty rough, the way they're shot, you can tell how gorgeous that movie is. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's absolutely stunning. And, and Boris Karloff is such a superstar in this movie. It's yeah. amazing. And they, he really like leans into that awesome lisp you know, that he has. And he, he's just so super weird and fun in this. And not only is he uh, a satanic priest, uh, he's also a necromancer hey. and possibly a cannibal. I mean, this movie is so is so saucy for the 30s. It's crazy. Um, it's really, really, really incredibly fun. I really love this movie, and so few people have seen it or stumbled accidentally to a whole other movie that is not nearly <laughs> they as think good, they've seen it. one assumes. <laughs> um, so I just the more I think about it, the more we're going to have to show this. Yeah, movie. we are. And the character names. Uh, Kar <laughs> Karloff's character is... Jalmar Polzig and Bela Lugosi's character is Dr. Vitus Werdegast. <laughs> That's awesome. A writer-director is Edward G. Ulmer. And one of the more one of the other unconventional things about this movie is at the time, movie music was usually limited to just the titles and the credits, but there's a pretty much a continuous score throughout this whole movie, which was pretty unheard of at the time. So many reasons. And it's really the first black mass in a movie, which is, yeah. I, I am such a sucker for a black mass in a movie. <laughs> I remember working someplace one time and saying that I really love a black mass, and they all thought I meant, like, cancer. They were like, you love what? Like, nobody knew what that meant. I thought, I have to get a different job. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's the black cat, and that's <laughs> one that you can mark down for a future 
edition of Fright Club because we got to show that. We do. Uh, from 1934. That's number four, and we got to move on up to number three. Well, this is the one that we're going to see tonight, so we won't talk much about it. This is a drifter obsessed with the supernatural, stumbling upon an inn where a severely ill adolescent girl is slowly becoming a vampire. It's vampire. Well, we already know only a few people here tonight have seen this, so we're not we don't want to spoil anything. But by all means, after the movie is over, is the trailer over? <laughs> by all means, after the movie is over, come on down. We'd love to get your comments about what you think uh, of the film, and we'll get it on the podcast. But uh, that's just another example of how gorgeous black and white photography can be. Oh yeah, and it's a really weird movie that really defies summarization. So there's not that much we were going to say to begin with. <laughs> so I don't think we could spoil it if we tried. But, but it, it is, is gorgeous. It was the first film to receive an H rating in the UK, and that was for horrific films which are likely to frighten or horrify children under the age of 16. Ooh. Ooh. Now your curiosity is piqued. So Vampire from 1932 is number three. We'll get to that here in a few minutes. 75 minutes later. Carl Theodore Dreyer, of course, mostly famous for having directed Joan of Arc, which I think you can see in all the scenes where the young vampire is in the bed. It's like they're all so pulled directly from Joan of Arc. Which is a great place to pull. I mean, that's a glorious, gorgeous movie. But I also think that you can see a lot. Um, I think David Lynch has pulled a lot from this movie over yeah, the years. Yeah. And uh, Coppola's Dancing Shadows and his Dracula. That's yeah. all about this movie. Love the shadows. Oh, yeah. So much this. fun. And it it's always fascinates me something this old. Because let's face it, that the CGI in this movie was <laughs> just not up to par. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, with the limited it's not Morbius or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Two Morbius references That's right, this week. It's a nice, uh, <laughs> but with the limited you know, resources that they had, this diff- you, they find a way to tell a story. Yeah, and I visual love storytelling and those shadows and the the, the windows casket opening. point of view. I love the casket point of view, right? When you see him and he's in the casket and then you see what he's looking yes. at. Yes. I think that's really, yes. really effective. The little and I square love the, yeah. with the face yeah. and the open eyes. Yeah. And also I love the early take on vampire lore. Yeah. And it makes you think of how much it's changed over the years. I mean, look how uh, much of an important part of this full moon was. Yeah. And that's pretty much been lost and taken over by uh, the werewolves. Yep. But uh, I love that early on and had the, the legend of the vampire. I think it's funny too that, that in this movie and then all the stories that the, that the man is reading about, it's always like a mean old lady, which is really <laughs> yeah. uncommon anymore for like yeah. vampires. I also, you know, if somebody breaks into your room when you're sleeping and he just writes, you know, open after my death, he's not the boss of you. Just open it. <laughs> open it right that minute. <laughs> Good call. Anybody, anybody got some thoughts? Come on down. We'd love to get your take on it. I appreciated all the doors throughout the movie. Yeah. It was, it was almost like a funhouse effect. Uh, and I wasn't quite sure. I'm sure they all meant something, uh, you know, different segments of either his imagination or different storylines. And it's like, you know, chapter A through Z. But they were they looked to be all over the the dwelling. Yeah. And I was trying to imagine from an architectural stance sense, you know, what must that have looked like? It w- just would have been crazy. It's like doors going nowhere. Right. Stairways going nowhere. And he oftentimes going nowhere also. Yeah. So I just found that fascinating. And keys as well. You know, I mean, there's a lot about keys and people are finding keys. But obviously, you know, because the guy who broke in and left that, that uh, you know, package, he managed to unlock from the outside and then he left again and politely locked it. And I thought, well, why even bother? 
clearly you can just walk right in. I really enjoyed this movie a lot. Like, I really liked how atmospheric it was, how um, it was ma- it was really different compared to, like, other horror films from the 30s where there's a lot more, like, composition music and as opposed to just dialogue. I was really fascinated, like, by the effect of having all the ghosts, like, faded in a way. Um, you could do it easily now, but I'm wondering, I was wondering, like, how were they able to do that back in the 30s? You know what? I thought the same thing, especially when um, Alan Gray and his shiny bottom lip uh, separated from himself, you know, and yeah, was, like, yeah. wandering around is when it really dawned on me, like, I wonder how exactly they got that effect, or he right. got that effect, because it was very cool. It was cool. Just another example where they, they found ways to do do what they wanted to do with their with their limited resources. What do you think? Uh, I just wanted to comment. Is it like at a 1930s hospitality thing and some random dude shows up to your house right, right after a guy dies? It's like, oh, you can stay the night. Like, right. Be our new boss. Who are you? I know. <laughs> like, I, I kept thinking that too. He's giving them orders like, you wait for the doctor. You go here. Who are you? You just <laughs> showed up. You're just some nomad who showed up over there at their house. Now you're at my house and you want a place to stay. Uh, yeah, I thought the same thing. I thought, you know, white guys just show up where they want and start bossing people around. And you know what other movies stole from this? Witness with the death, the death in the in the grain mill, huh? That's right. Come on, that's right. You were thinking it. <laughs> uh, two things: the architecture and sets from the 1930 movies are outstanding. I mean, the black and white uh, set with the stairs and everything like the doors is wonderful. But uh, how much of this was Alan's imagination? Because they said right at the start, Alan was going crazy. Oh yeah, I think that I think that there's a uh, you know a good thread in this film that the whole thing is his imagination. You know, I think that's one of the reasons why it's so surreal. And, it, and it's just, there's so many doors, there's so many, and then hidden doors behind these tapestries. And the one tapestry when the you know the 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 girl is dying in her bed, the first thing you see is this big tapestry of like a happy party. You know, and it's like a young woman just <laughs> right. having a drink and having right. a good time. And then they pan to this you know this this young girl in her bed. Um, I, you know, I think that there's a good chance that the entire film is in his imagination. I just want to follow up about what you were saying earlier, George. It's really great to see a vampire story that's not what we see today. After Dracula, everything is, the vampire is suave. He comes in, he's got these powers. And it's just great to see like these European older interpretations where it's just some person or in this one, it's someone who lives in the woods or right. like in uh black Sabbath with the Vertilac. It's someone who could just show up and right. they're just someone you know and they may or may not be a vampire and it i think we i wish we had more of those stories just mix it up a little bit because everything is such the same with vampires anymore yeah i do like when you go when you go back to the to the older ones that feel more like folklore a lot of times it all blends together you know a lot of times it's a shapeshifter and you know i i do like that too where it's not so completely delineated of you know this monster needs a wooden stake in the heart and this monster comes out on full moon it is kind of fun when it's a mishmash and I was thinking the henchman. Love we that love that word. <laughs> we were both like, ooh, henchman. That Great lured Mark, Mark Twain to his death. I, w- <laughs> I was thinking Renfield. Yeah. Anyone? Yeah. I'll first say thank you because I, I think what you're doing is great with the podcast. Oh, thank and, you. Uh, I heard the last podcast and I thought it was a great surprise in the intro that you had. Because you were in it. Right. You were in yeah. the last, right? You you mentioned really the, the uh, Ramones. He made the intro. So that's that yeah. means he had something <laughs> really important to say like About now. the Ramones. <laughs> yeah, today I came in with my dad. He's visiting. I'm from out of state. Hi. Thanks for coming. Where are you from? Puerto Rico. Yeah, it was such a great selection, I'll say. 
Thank and, you very uh, much. Really liked the uh, the cryptic writings, right? Very poetic. Yeah. And they nailed her horrid soul through the earth. It's a great line. Giving her a true death. That was a great line. Right? Yeah, that was um, some of the subtitles were a little hard to read through all that. Because they were on top yeah, of other types. But, just... but, you know, and I'm trying to remember the other movie that you've pointed this out before where you really, uh, for me, I don't think you even need to understand the dialogue, right? I mean, it's, right. it's a pretty surreal film. You know what I mean? It's not incredibly clear what's going on. It's very nightmarish and dreamy. So to me, I feel like you can you could probably understand it as well without yeah. even reading anything. Yeah, you probably could because they do a, a lot with visual storytelling, mm -hmm. which is great. So, well, we can't thank you guys enough. Great comments. Yes, thank and, you so much uh, for coming yeah, out. Yeah, gr great turnout. And it's always good to do these classics. And uh, I think we I think we know one of these days we'll do the we'll do the black cat. Oh, for and, sure we'll do the black cat. Cool. I can't, I mean, because, uh, you know, in putting this together, I realized, as many times as I've seen that, The Black Hat, I've never seen it on a big screen. Right. And it's a gorgeous movie. It and really it's is. super weird. So, yeah. and we don't, again, we're not going to be back in May. And in June, it's one of three films that we're still working on. So the last two have been Bloodless and Black and White and Foreign Language. And the next one will be in color, and a lot of it will be bloody red. Yeah. So, <laughs> something really nasty. Just a little change. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that something will get a merit badge for no, showing no, up. No, 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 no. They're all—all all three of them are pretty, pretty fun. I mean, I think they're fun. That okay. really doesn't mean anything to anybody, to be honest with you. But, <laughs> um, but they are very bloody. The three options, lots right. of blood. Looking forward to it. All right, thanks again, guys. We'll Thank see you very soon. much. So up to number two, and this is well, this is the same director from Dracula, Todd Browning. This is from 1932. A circus beautiful trapeze artist agrees to marry the leader of sideshow performers, Freaks. We didn't lie to you, folks. We told you we had living, breathing monstrosities. Look at them They're swine. They can't hurt me. But they hurt me. They're going to make you one of the is a law unto themselves. Offend one, and you offend them all. Trailers from the 30s were really unusual, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> so this is the movie that ended Todd Browning's career, so that's too bad, because he was really on a high note just a year yeah. earlier with Dracula. But yeah, well, he got the, it was after the success of Dracula, the studio just gave him this pretty much carte blanche yeah. with the instruction to out horror Frankenstein. Yep. You know, give something even out horror than that. And then, yeah, you like you said, that about ended his career, pretty much ended his career. Yeah, yes, it did. And it's not, it's actually, so he's made two films that are set basically in a, in a, in a circus sideshow. Both of them are great. There's a lot of controversy about it. At the, at the time that it came out, it was kind of universally banned. It was really hard to get a hold of for a very long time. And then, you know, once people could get a hold of it, there was like another backlash that that perhaps he had exploited the actors that were in the film, that a lot of them probably didn't really have the sort of capabilities of saying, yes, I'd like to be in a part of your film. And so, you know, that's a lot of baggage for a movie to carry with it. Aside from that, though, I mean, I think that it has developed a, a tremendous cult following because it sides with the freaks, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, it, it completely empathizes. That's your point of view characters. They're the people that you, that the, the, the movie is assuming that the audience is one of us, right? And, <laughs> and, I, and I think that that's one of the reasons why it's so beloved. I think it really speaks to a lot of people for that reason. One of the things that always sticks out to me is that Daisy and, um, uh, Daisy and 
why do I forget his, uh, Harry Earl, who played the lovers that you hope get together at the end. Yeah. They're actually brother and sister. That's a weird, that's a weird choice to make for your film. And they also, you can't not know it. They look exactly like. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they have the same little faces and the same voices. But Yeah, and the, the ending that is now seen in yeah. almost all prints was not the original ending in Todd Browning's original cut. They added that to uh, make it a quote-unquote happier ending. But I think it's interesting about the... the she looks happy, doesn't she? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting about the exploitation of the, of the actors. I think in the years following, if I remember it right, some of them came out and said that, yes, they did feel exploited, and some said, no, they didn't. Right. So it just sort of muddled, muddied the waters. But I think, yeah, over the years, it has come to be regarded differently since then and, and has attracted that, that cult status. And, of course, that line, one of us, one of oh, us, yeah. oh my. Uh, oh, is, yeah. is just lives, and then the, lives you know, on the, its own. The final scene of Carnage in the rain is mm-hmm. incredibly creepy and really, really well filmed. Yeah, and that one is uh, a classic for many reasons. Number two on our list of horror from the 30s, Freaks. And moving up to number one, well, this is kind of a... It's a cheat! It's a cheat. Because you're all going like, which one is it? It's a cop-out. It's a cheat. But, uh, it's both of them. But we make the rules. It's both of them from 1931, Frankenstein, and from 1935, Bride of Frankenstein. This is the story you've heard about. The spine-tingling, blood-chilling story that stuns your emotions. Frankenstein. Oh, it's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. She's alive. Alive. The Bride of Frankenstein. So, which one is actually better? Who thinks Bride of Frankenstein is better? Ooh. Who thinks Frankenstein is better? Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we probably side with Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. I think it's still the only the only episode of Fright Club where we only talked about one movie was when we just talked about Bride of Frankenstein. Yes. Yeah. That, yep. I think that's the only. But one. both are so great. Yeah. And also, if I left Dracula off the list, I thought somebody would beat me up, so we had to just find a way to get it on there. <laughs> so we did fuzzy math for the first time in a live episode. That's okay. That's yeah. okay. But James, they're both such great movies. Yeah. Director James Whale's yep. uh, just masterpieces. I think one of the interesting things, many interesting things, in Frankenstein, there's not really a time stamp. Yeah. Uh, and, and James Whale, I think, was quoted at the time saying that he wanted to craft it as a fairy tale. But yet, in Bride of Frankenstein, there's a bottle of wine uh, that Pretorius has, and the label on that says 1912. Oh. So it gives it a little more of a, of a time well, stamp. A pretty definite but time the, stamp. Yeah, but I can see the aesthetic he was going yeah. for, especially early on, was fairy tale-ish. Oh, but, for sure. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, the big star here is actually probably Jack Pierce, who yeah. uh, outdid himself with that most iconic uh, monster makeup of all time with, with Frankenstein, and then came back and did it again with the goth goddess that is the Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, and in that one, uh, in Bride of Frankenstein, it's the Frankenstein monster that looks different because Karloff was wearing his dental plate, right? which kind of, it didn't look so gaunt in the face. But yeah, the makeup for Frankenstein's monster at first, and then... As you can see from Hope's purse down here, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the incredible look of Elsa Lanchester. Yeah, for sure. And I love, I mean, I love the first movie. It's so sad. You just, your heart breaks for him. Yeah. And uh, one of the things I like about The Bride of Frankenstein is that it's very darkly funny. It Dr. is. Dr. Pretorius is hilarious. It is. He's got the little miniature people who are like, and I remember when I, first time we watched this little kid, I thought, who's going to take care of those little miniature people? Well, After Pretorius died, and you know what I like, thought? This is I, terrible. I was thinking, where did they get those little clothes? 
<laughs> There's the little people. Where do they get the little clothes? That's right. But the other great thing, you're right about this, the uh, humor in yeah. Brighter Frankenstein. Also, there's great social satire oh, in there for as sure. well. Yeah. And, but the fantastic thing about it is it never, ever undercuts the horror of it, which yeah. I think sometimes some of today's horror leans toward doing that. It gets too funny, and it undercuts what they're trying to do. But Brighter Frankenstein never does. I think that's one of the reasons it's slightly better. Yes. Although I, I can't, I don't like that smoke scene. Smoke, yeah. good. I don't like it. I can't, I can't get behind it. It's like when the Incredible Hulk talks. Like, no, no, stop it. <laughs> I love those movies. I mean, they're just brilliant movies. And I do like the Hammer Frankenstein's, not as well as I like the Hammer Dracula's. But I think what James Whale understood that other Frankenstein filmmakers didn't is that it's the monster who's interesting. Like that was his investment was in the Frankenstein monster, who is, who's this. It's like a big child, you know, and, and it's so sad, but so uncontrollable and so much mm-hmm. bigger than we are that when he throws a temper tantrum, you know, the, your four-year-old gets flung into the <laughs> lake and dies. Yeah. Um, and so if there's something really tragic and, and, and heartbreaking about him, and then all the other Frankenstein films are more interested in the mad scientist, and who gives a shit about a mad scientist? <laughs> oh, my God, an egocentric doctor. I can't believe that. Absolutely. but it's And, and the <laughs> fact that The Bride of Frankenstein picks up Really, right yeah. where the other one left yeah. off, even though it has a different actress yeah, it does, playing, playing uh, which is yeah, yeah playing um, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, which is a little bit jarring, but it's it's meant to be continuous like that, which is great. And and the, the films aren't that long, so really watching one back to back can give you a, a great experience. Yes, agreed. Um, yeah, so that's why they're tied. That's why. That's how we got out of it's that. It's not that Dracula nonsense. It's just because they're tied. No, it's totally <laughs> the Dracula thing. That's it's why. not that nonsense. <laughs> so that's number one and number one on our list of best horror from the 30s, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. So that takes us up to the movie we're going to see tonight. It is Vampire. Can't wait to watch it on the big screen with you all and can't wait to have you come down after and tell us what you thought about it. Yes. So uh, looking ahead to, well, let's see. No, we're going to take May off of Fright Club because... We're shooting a movie. Shooting a movie. We're, uh, we're filming our first feature in May. It's called Obstacle Corpse. And so we will be tired. Um, <laughs> actually, we'll actively be on the film set on that day. So we can't come out then. But in the meantime, we're going to record one uh, with the Spooky Buddies. With D-Zack and Pina Joe and Mox and... Me, Toxin, and, and Old Man Spencer, all of us crammed into one studio. Yep. We're going to talk about spooky buddies. That about is going to go. Big groups of friends. That's going to go movies. off the rails early and off. Very often. quickly. So that should Very be fun. quickly. But we should have this <laughs> podcast edited and ready to go uh, by Monday. Yep. So we'll have it up on all of our socials, of course, uh, at madwolf.com, the main website. You can find it on all the main podcast apps and uh you can always keep the conversation going with us on twitter we're at fright club pod and uh mad wolf columbus on facebook and instagram by the way if you didn't hear earlier we do have those passes to come back a week from tonight and see the early screening of the northman right here at gateway you can get the code to join us at mad wolf columbus on facebook yep and And also on twitter fright club pod on twitter and also and the fright club group on facebook if you're not a member by the way please join we can we'll prove you right quick And thanks again to the Owens Group. All right, thank you for coming out. I know we're all excited to see this. Come down after and we'll talk. Get a button if you don't have one. I know Stan is up there ready to roll it. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay frightful, my friends. Thank you, guys. Hit it, Stan.